0: It's good this morning to look out at the people of God and to know that you are a royal priesthood. Isn't that something? A royal priesthood. This morning the gospel lesson is from John chapter 14. And John writes, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also." And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him. And have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to you, Lord Christ. I want you to picture this, if you will. See, the disciples have been with Jesus for three years of ministry. I'm talking intense, full immersion ministry. Casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, opening the eyes of the blind, restoring people to physical, mental, emotional, spiritual Wholeness. Intense ministry. And not only that, but they've been through the persecution and the scourging and the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection. Jesus is preparing now to ascend to the Father. And so he's preparing his disciples for a new experience of life. Life without him in the same way that they've always known him. They're about to be separated, at least for a while. Separation. What happens when people who are in a deep relationship separate? What kinds of feelings and emotions and thoughts do we experience when we're separated from someone of great significance in our lives? Well, we're troubled, aren't we? We have a sense of loss. And very often that sense of loss is compounded by thoughts of, what do I do now? What is next for me? Have you felt this before at any point? See, there's a story I like to tell about a man who finds himself separated from his family in the most tragic of circumstances. You may have heard this story, maybe not. See, in the last quarter of the 19th century, a man by the name of Horatio Spafford was a devout Christian, a Presbyterian layman from Chicago, and he had a successful legal practice, and he was a successful real estate investor, and he had a beautiful family that he cherished. Now, in 1871, maybe you've heard of this if you remember your history, there was a great Chicago fire. And it wiped out Horatio's real estate fortune. And about that same time, he lost his son to an illness. So, financially, he's devastated. Spiritually, he's devastated. And if that weren't enough, just two years later in November of 1873, he's thinking, you know what? My family really needs to get away for a while. This has been a tough two years for us. And so he sends his family on a restful getaway vacation to Europe. And he plans to join them in a few days. So he sends his wife and his four daughters on board ship, and just a few days after setting sail on November 22nd, the ship with his family aboard was struck by the HMS Lockhearn, a British ship, and it sank to the bottom in only 12 minutes. And the survivors were picked up, and after several days, Horatio got a telegram from his wife, and it said, Saved alone. Now Horatio dropped everything and left on board another ship to join his wife in Wales. And while on board ship, as they approached the spot in the ocean where his four daughters had gone down with their ship, Spafford penned the following words on paper. He wrote, When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, When sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. See, that hymn that Horatio Spafford penned in the midst of that ocean, at the very spot where his four beloved daughters went down with the ship, that hymn has become an old favorite in just about every denomination. Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, doesn't matter. That was Horatio Spafford's acknowledgement and acceptance of Jesus' words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Separation. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God trust Jesus. For those that trust and believe, Jesus has prepared a dwelling place in His Father's house. How did He prepare that dwelling place? Well, He prepared our dwelling place with God by going to the cross, dying, being buried, and then resurrected. Your dwelling place is already established as a believer. Remember on the cross, he said, it is finished. That meant everything was finished. Everything was complete, including the securing of your dwelling place in the house of God. A house not made of brick and mortar and stone and wood, but of things that are spiritual and eternal. And not only did Jesus prepare a dwelling place for us, but He also promised to come back and get us so that we can live where He lives. And if we depart this earth before Jesus returns, that's okay. Because Jesus says we already know the way. Thomas said to Him, Lord, we don't know the way where you are going. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, Jesus is the way. Grace bridges the separation. Grace bridges the separation. Whatever the separation is, grace bridges that. Remember, Scripture says, "For God so loved the world." That's the prevenient grace of God. God so loved the world means that God loves everyone, believers and non-believers alike, and His prevenient grace covers all of us because His love covers all of us. Prevenient grace. This is a concept that's distinctly Wesleyan. Provenient grace, that grace that comes before salvation, before saving grace. The grace that works on us and nudges us gently toward a relationship with Jesus. That grace that enables us to become aware that we are sinners and are in need of a Savior. The grace that enables us to love Him in the first place. We love because He first loved us. You recognize that from Scripture. That's provenient grace at work. See, if grace was a house, provenient grace would be the front steps. But to gain access to the house... We have to make a decision to walk through the front door. And the front door of the house, the front door of the house of grace, is saving, justifying grace. See, you have to be justified to enter the house. You can't climb in through a window and there is no back door to the house of grace. You have to walk through the front door of saving grace by making a choice to follow Jesus. And then, and this is another idea that's distinctly Wesleyan, has a Methodist flavor. Not only is provenient grace the love of God, that grace for everybody, But salvation, the justifying grace that lets you walk through the door, see, that's just the beginning of the process. Because when you get in the house, when you choose to walk through the saving grace front door, you find yourselves in the sanctifying grace of the house. What does that mean? See, the sanctifying grace is where we get to settle into the family room of Jesus Christ. That's where we have this lifelong relationship with Him, learning and growing and being more and more like Him. So yes, there is a point of decision that we call being saved. But that's just the front door. There's a whole house where we live and move and have our being. And that's the sanctifying grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, not only the way, but the truth and the life. And that life is what we live in the family room of Christ inside the sanctifying grace of the house of God. So He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life, He's everything that we need. There's no longer that permanent separation that causes our hearts to be troubled. When I think of separation, I think of those separations that have occurred in my own experience. And maybe you're there in the chair and you're thinking of the times you have been separated, either temporarily or somewhat more permanently, from someone that is significant to you. When I think of those people, and I think of those times of separation, I always go to my go-to scripture in Romans 8. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you feel like a conqueror this morning? Because you are in him. You know that, right? Do you know that? Am I preaching to Presbyterians? Do you know that? You are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In that promise, the grace of God bridges any separation that promise is a promise in which we can find peace that promise we can hang on to until Christ comes to take us home because in that promise we can say whatever our lot you Lord Jesus Christ have taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.